become Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. Hello and welcome to Scream Masters with me, Bav. And me, Fluff. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be discussing the HBO TV series Band of Brothers from... Oh, crikey. I thought I had this in my head. 2008, I want to say? <laughs> really? 2001. 2001? Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I knew I was behind, but Christ, I didn't know I was behind. <laughs> yeah. I was I'm like, really yeah, behind. yeah, very behind. Like, very, very yeah, behind. I didn't realise yeah. I was that behind. But of course, before we turn to that, uh, before we get to that, I would like to turn to the words, the immortal words of Edwin Starr and say, War, huh, what is it good for? Oh. Okay, okay. Come on, let's no, steam it. No, I, stay yeah, with I it. get it, Come I on. get it. No chuckle from me today, though, I'm afraid. <sighs> okay. It, it, it was to too obvious, that. maybe. It was too obvious. Okay, yeah. I'll accept that. Um, all right. So, yes, now, there is something I need to discuss with everyone because I... You know what? To coin a phrase from South Park, I realised something the other day. Yeah, really. While, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, I realised something the other day while I was watching Rise of Skywalker again. Oh God, really? I hate myself. <laughs> I enjoy that film in the moment, you know. I'm absolutely entertained. I pop for the nostalgia. I laugh at the little snippy interplay between the characters, and yet, I know. It's a vacuum. Uh, sorry, it's a vacuous chasm of a film with no stakes. That is a retelling of the major plot points of Return of the Jedi. Has nothing original or interesting to say, and it's just designed to be a big bunch of member berries. And yet, you enjoyed it. It was starting on Sky Cinema, and given myriad other choices, I still chose willingly to watch it and thoroughly enjoyed the next two and a half hours. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. Given that we spent uh, a good portion of a, a, a previous podcast tearing the last film to shreds in many respects, and you've now openly admitted that you really I, enjoyed it, so you know, I, I, you the know, hypocrisy. It, it's that thing, hypocrisy like, yeah, I know. I know. Hypocrisy. Uh, I'm going mental in this. I, 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 I say, I, I understand why it's not good, but I cannot <laughs> stop from being entertained for two and a half hours when it's on. Yeah, I have access to Disney Plus, uh, and uh, while it's up there, I've still not. I've, I've since watching it at the cinema, I'm not in a rush to watch it, and I, God knows when I will. I actually looked at Disney Plus last night, just as an aside, because uh, a friend of mine offered a a look at uh, use of their details to have a look at it. So I, I looked in there, and of course, shit hadn't even occurred to me like I'd be able to watch Chippendale Rescue Rangers again. Mm -hmm. And Darkwing fucking Duck. Yeah. I am a little bit upset that Tailspin isn't there, but I can live with that. You've given me Darkwing Duck and you've given me Chippendale Rescue Rangers and all the Herbie movies. So that's an episode coming. And the X-Men series, the Spider-Man series, Gargoyles. I mean, the... the oh, yeah, the Spider-Man series. You see, because ah, the X-Men series, ah. I watched that about five years ago again. I watched it all the way through again. So I don't want to watch that again yet. But the Spider-Man series, that's a mm -hmm. good shout. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that one. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll have to do that, and obviously the uh, Clone Wars as well. That'll be good fun. I'm looking forward to going through shadowing potentially. <laughs> um, so last episode, uh, we were talking about what we'd watched, and there was one thing that we uh, left to crack into the main episode. So let's go back to that now. On Netflix, it is 
The Big Show show. I have watched <laughs> all eight episodes, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, first half episodes. of the season with yeah. my daughter. Um, is it first half? I didn't realise it was just a half. I believe okay. it was the first half of the first uh, season. Okay. It, maybe it is just eight episodes and they're going to leave it. I don't know. I don't know. I imagine, uh, given the success of it, I do think it's been rather successful uh, around the world. I know that in Australia, uh, just because Big Show himself put comments up of uh, various fans around the world, uh, you know, you had uh, people from England, Australia, America, a number of countries, all just kind of saying it was really family friendly, fun, uh, especially given the current climate and, and times and things like that, to just switch off and just enjoy mm. uh uh, you know, mindless show. Uh, now, obviously, I've watched it because I'm a wrestling fan, and I was like, you know what? Let's watch this. It was on in the background. I mean, I'm not going to say this is the funniest thing. It's not. It's not for me. It's not tailored for me. I've heard other wrestling-based podcasts kind of tear it a new one, but at the same time, it's like, guys, um, you are not their target demographic at no. all. No. Um, I understand their their points on it, and they're like, because it, it it's very Americanized. In, in the way that it's shot, the way that it's storytelling, and the way that certain aspects have done. I've seen enough Americanized kind of stuff to know that that's the way that they do these things. It's it's all played up. But I was also very entertained. I mean, you, you, you've got a better interpretation of this because not only would you have watched it, you would have presumably watched it with uh, my beautiful, awesome goddaughter. Indeed, yes, we we watched it together because yeah, it's very much her show. She's she likes um she's very excited about the return of the second half of the last season of Fuller House at the minute, uh, which is like yeah, that was the kind of or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's very and obviously as you say, it's a what do they call it? Two camera sitcom, three camera sitcom. I can't remember, but it's that mm. live studio audience feel. I'm not sure it was a live studio audience. I've got to be honest. For big no, show, it seems a little bit like no, can no, laughter. No, 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 no. Yeah, that was I, kind of laughter every I mean, time. Let's. I, I've got to be honest. It. I mean, it could be funnier. I, I don't think the writing is necessarily bad, mm -hmm. but fuck. Big Show really isn't very good at playing himself. No. He's only good, like, there's occasions when he's with his buddy in the gym and stuff, and he plays off him quite well. But other than that, he's really not very good. I also think the middle daughter isn't a particularly good actress. The younger one is fantastic, and she's hilarious. The older one is cool and sassy. But the middle one, I just don't think is very good. I think the mum's very good, though. She's she's an incredible. You know, she really sort of pulls, tries to pull it together. Yeah, I've um, seen. Um, I mean, I know that I think the actor who plays his friend was Urkel, uh, who is not. A oh yeah, yeah. Person, person. I'm overly familiar. I know the name, and I'm, I, I could kind of recognise it from American uh, previous TV. Again, the actress who plays the mother, I've seen her in a good number of things. Over the years, I think the weirdly enough, the first thing I ever saw him was that '70s show, way, way, way back when. <laughs> so when she popped up in this, I was like, "Hang on, I recognise you from a number of things." So that was that was funny. Um, honestly, I think, like you say, the Big Show is not the best actor, and I think he'll probably attest to that. I like to say that off... it's like the jokes are good sometimes, but he's just his yeah. timing is his so bad, is bad. That the joke falls short. Yeah. You know, sorry, yeah. Karen. His, I think his best scenes and stuff like that is weirdly enough where he feels most comfortable. Where he's with, say, Mark Henry or Mick yeah. Foley. So when yeah. the the other wrestlers come in, I mean, I I want Mark Henry to be a recurring character on that. He was fucking hilarious. Now I know that Mark Henry can deliver the goods because we've seen him way back when being sexual chocolate uh, in WWE. Way back when. So I remember those times, and I know that he's got the comedy chops. Mm, but he was absolutely so goddamn funny. And Foley. 
Foley got a good yeah, couple Foley. of laughs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, like you say, it wasn't that it was the most amazing, brilliant joke, but it was his timing and his delivery because he does stand up comedy. He gets mm-hmm. it. Yes, he knows yeah. how to let the joke land. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was the best episode by far for me because, as you say, he felt more the most natural. And weirdly, he can't play himself. When he's Big Show, the character Big Show, and is performing as Big Show, he's perfectly fine. It's mm-hmm. really annoying. It's like, just be you. Just be you. Yeah. No, nope, be you. Be the happy, Don't be happy kind of father, what you think you act like. Just, just be, be you. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so, so fucking weird. We see, we've seen you on TV for the last 20 years. Just be that character. Don't yeah. try and be a parody of yourself. It doesn't work. Just be a bit more straightforward. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how it it pans out. I don't think it's going to be the the show that that breaks the bank for him. But at the same time, you know, he he needs something to do. Uh, and I I didn't I, like as you say. I I have warm feelings towards it. I will watch the rest of it when if it, if any more comes because my daughter was invested and she identified with a couple of the daughters because uh, he's got three daughters in it. So she identified with a couple of them there. Um. So yeah, I would watch it because I I I think fondly of it, but I'm not. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, with a critical hat on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. some yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say so. Uh, but again, that's the thing. It's uh, I think during lockdown and things like that, we've we've knew that there'd be certain things we just watch because it's like, well, okay, I've not got a lot else to do. Let's watch this. This was one of those shows for me. I was like, it was not ever going to be on the top of my radar. I know there's a, a film called Main Event, I think. I don't know whether you've seen it. Yes, or, one of the kids. wrestling channels that we like have done a watch-along with two of their people Oh, that see. film. They did a remote watch-along. It was Ross and Tom. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Um, yes. If it wasn't I... Tom, I would be very interested, but I, okay. I feel Tom for an hour and 45 minutes might be a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, I got maybe 10 minutes into it. and I Oh, really? Is it, it that bad? I had to turn it off because it was too... Uh, too stereotypical okay there's a school bully and there's this and there's that and i was like you know what as much as i want to see the cool stuff with the wrestling i can't be asked. i can't i can't be asked with it so I, what age I is it not. pitched at I, I don't even know the certificate of it actually uh i would is probably it... say 10 year olds uh, so is it yeah, a pg kind of oh yeah it would definitely be a pg yeah okay. you're, you're, yeah you well, i might try and watch and it the kids. kids into watching it then. oh god yeah yeah i think the kids would find some enjoyment out of it uh, especially given our panache for wrestling um, indeed indeed and they know that we enjoy wrestling they're not too enamored with it themselves but i think they would find an enjoyment in it and they might find an appreciation for wrestling after the fact as well you never know true and keith lee's in it from what i hear so. and keith lee is in it yes indeed yeah so i look forward to seeing keith lee okay cool interesting <laughs> uh all right let's uh let's crack into this meaty bad boy and uh see see how far we get so, yes, I am going to throw this one to you again. This is one that I had not seen, um, which we, uh, I think we discussed it in the HBO shows we did, episode, yeah. which, here you go, let's see if I can remember back that far. Episode six, I think, was the HBO shows. Well done, I think if, you, if that is true, well done. There. <laughs> I think I'm right. I don't know why that one sticks in my head, but it does. Um, so, yeah. We discussed it then. I I hadn't seen it, and it was one of those ones that I probably think, knowing me, I probably said, you know what? Not a big fan of war films and war things. 
because I'm me. And then obviously we did a Christopher Nolan episode where I went on about how much I love Dunkirk. So, you know, typical me. Hey, I don't like Westerns. By the way, the best Tarantino film is a Western. Yeah. And didn't you say like one of the best films you've seen in a long time was 1917 as well? Oh God, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But I don't, don't like, like war stuff. films. <laughs> no, but here you go. This is the thing, right? Because in two thousand and one, that would have been very much on my opinion. Whereas, obviously, as you grow, I get older. I realise that these things are stupid to say, and that actually, maybe I, you know, there, there is something to be found in any genre generally. So, obviously, yes, I, I went back and I have watched all ten episodes of Band of Brothers. So I am ready. Cool, yeah. uh, so for those of you who don't know as much, um, no, so Band of Brothers, as, uh, as you say, was out in, uh, in, in 2001. Now, this did air both in America and uh, in, in the UK as well. I think it was BBC Two. Uh, I think that it hmm. played here, I want to say. Yeah, um, probably, because it would have been, you know, Sky probably, you know, Sky Atlantic and that. And Yeah, no, they weren't really kind of about. They didn't uh, have a deal with uh, HBO or anything back then, did no. they? No, no. So I'm fairly certain it was a BBC Two one. I think that's how I originally watched it. Um, I probably got it after the fact as well. But so yeah, this was a. It's a drama series based on um, a historian uh, Stephen Ambrose. Uh, book of the same name called Band of Brothers, which uh, effectively tells the sta- the tale of um, Easy Company, which was, let me just get this right, uh, 2nd Battalion, uh, 506th Parachute Infantry, Infantry Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division. So, <laughs> I'm glad you, I'm glad you've got that. In front um, of you, because Jesus that, Christ, I've got that in front of me. I'd never remember that. All I know is that they're the 101st or Easy oh, you Company. See, I'd remembered the, f- the 506th. That's the bit I'd remembered, the 506th Battalion. Yeah. So there you go. We used to remember it in, in, in a oh, different God. way. Um, and so this story, uh, as, as we go through it, and we, we, which we will, uh, the story uh, covers the episodes and it basically discusses uh, and shows them training, uh, beginning training in, in the US, moving across to Europe, uh, to, to Britain, getting ready to, to, be, to be deployed into Europe. Um, ready for world war ii essentially and each episode takes on a different uh we, we discussed this briefly beforehand it, it, each one is episodic there is the common thread of the war etc going through but each one is episodic it kind of focuses on different aspects yeah uh of their training or, or the war itself or a particular battle uh now sometimes we, a character as well i find yeah uh, true yeah um, there are now, a couple that are sort of a, a character takes a a main role and you follow them for a bit as they yeah. go in and out of things uh, the one particular one that is why it sticks in my head. There's one that's absolutely incredible that I adored. I think I know which one it is, but I th- I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I yeah, think I know which right. one it will be. Um, so yeah, this this covers each of those uh, men, and and as you say, it, some some of the fo- uh, some of the focus will be on specific characters for some of the episodes. There are regular characters that run through the whole thing. There are some people, anyway. The, the the great thing about this, and um, I loved it right from the start, is the fact that they intersperse the dramatization of the story with the real interviews of the surviving Band of Brothers members. Yes. That was that was very poignant for me. Um, mm. I, and given that we're on a, a week on, I think we originally we would discuss this, and because of lockdown and things like that, we never got around to doing this on time. But our aim was to try and do this for kind of VE day because again, it's you know one of the yeah. the reasons right. that we kind of looked at this as well. Um, and so that was it. It, it, it. This was just phenomenal. When I first watched it, I was like, okay, this was 
Saving Private Ryan as a series. Now, everybody went raving about Saving Private Ryan, um, you know, when that came out. The, the real gritty dramatization, especially at the Normandy Beach landings and stuff yes. like that. It was that oh, opening sequence, wasn't it? And yeah. how gritty and real that felt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I know it's been parodied in so many things, um, it, it, but it's that opening scene on the beaches and things like that. And you just suddenly think, okay, the guys behind that want to go off and make a full series. How is this going to play out? Is it going to be successful? Spoiler alert. Yes, it was. Um, (laughs) um, So we touched very briefly. So we'll quickly, before we suddenly get into episodes, we'll touch very briefly on the cast. We have discussed this previously in the HBO podcast, which according to uh, uh, Pete there, or sorry, Baviev, um, was back in episode six so we'd encourage you to go back and listen to that and think okay are there any other good hbo series so uh if you don't want to listen to the whole of this without everything being spoiled have a quick listen think if you like that then watch it then listen to this mm-hmm. uh so we've got the main obviously the main protagonist uh, very much is, is damian lewis uh as dick winters yeah uh we've got ron livingston as uh, as nixon his buddy nixon uh scott grimes the fantastic scott grimes i think he's always under uh, undersold at times in, in, in the things that he who does. is he character name uh he was malarkey malarkey yes thank you that's it yeah. yes god uh, he's brilliant he is he, 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 he just goes on such a, a trajectory as as the whole thing goes he on. does he does and i'm not even sure without checking my notes whether he actually gets an episode based on himself but i feel no. he goes through a massive arc over yeah. the 10 episodes and he's always there or thereabouts yeah it's a, it's so and it's one of the things that they talk about in one of the episodes towards the end like he's gone through this he's gone through this he's gone through this he's lost this friend he's lost this friend this friend's been it and it's the that's the thing it's all the harrowing shit they all have to go through but um mm. uh, we've got donny warburg as a warburg and you kind of go really and then you kind of yeah. go actually he's brilliant as lipton he's really good he was so good um uh trying to pick out some a couple of others uh michael kudlitz as uh, as bull he was fantastic um, now, that uh, raises the question for me where the hell yeah. did michael kudlitz go because i obviously he was in this in like 2001 or whatever yeah and then i didn't hear about him again until walking dead where the hell I, did he go he's good I, I, he's you know, really I good I, I don't know the actor's career i'm sure there's, there's always shows in america that we're not necessarily privy to that yeah, uh, true, a lot true. of actors peer up in and we're like oh okay you're in that i've never heard of that uh like the shield or the you know yeah yeah, I know what you mean. yeah all that kind of stuff um so uh, there was neil mcdonough who we've seen in so many things again this is a versatile actor uh he was book uh, sorry book buck compton uh who again another character going through some pretty harrowing shit uh, i'm not going to go through too many more because this we could no. be here all day um Two more, just two more. I'll, I'll mention though uh, is Dexter Fletcher, uh, who was Johnny. Uh, it's Dexter Fletcher. You know, you always love seeing a great Brit in there. Um, and then we'll, we'll just touch on him because he's in the first episode. Uh, is David Schwimmer uh, a sober? Oh Jesus, yeah. And uh, you, you know, you go from Ross on Friends to Sobel, and you're like, have you gone from a guy that everybody kind of loves in like mm. the world's most popular TV show to a guy that everybody wants to see shot? Um, and I cannot imagine what brilliant. that would have done at the time because looking back, that was midway through Friends' run because yeah. Friends was 1994 to 2004. So that's yeah, I mean, smack it's... bang in the middle of him being, yeah. as you say, Pussy Ross Geller, you know, the, the wimpy wimp of the Friends gang. Yeah. And <laughs> suddenly he's... He's doing his best Ali Omi impression. It's insane. Um, but again, I mean, the, the, the sheer number of 
guest stars that did little cameo appearances and things like that in this um was ridiculous so we've already again we've already touched on like dominic cooper was in there uh, jimmy fallon of all people was in there Michael oh, god, god yeah that, hit, now that one that one actually took me out of it for a minute jimmy because, fallon yeah yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. Think, like i know that again back then like because he did the I, I love the taxi films the french ones and they did a remake with queen latifah and him in like 2004 or something mm-hmm. so i know he was an actor back in the early noughties but just nowadays oh Terrible yeah actor. shit actor but i only Terrible know i only think of him as, well, as like uh exactly a talk show host or whatever and can't i don't like him that. as that cannot, no, so yeah when that. he drove up i was like is that jimmy fallon no it's not jimmy <laughs> yeah, fallon. Yeah, yeah. oh no it sounds like jimmy fallon oh he's yeah. as shit as jimmy fallon is oh no it is jimmy fallon oh fuck yeah but he's yeah. not in it for long, thankfully. No, 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 thankfully not. It's just a, a bit part. Uh, but yeah, we've got Stephen Graham's in there as well. Again, you, you, easily spotable. Tom Hardy, a very young Tom Hardy as well. And you kind of go, is most that Tom of, Hardy? Yeah. Most of my notes when these cameos have come up is, blah, blah, blah appears. He's 12. Blah, blah, blah <laughs> appears. He's 12. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, so strange. Uh, even Simon Pegg again is, is yeah. in there. I think this was at a time where he and um, and Schwimmer were, were doing that film. Was it Run Fat Boy Run or something? Uh, yeah, probably would roughly... have been. Yeah. Right so I think because they, I, I think they actually appear in in scenes together and stuff. But uh, like I say, this is just a, a, a mattering of of the great acting that's gone on in this. It's yeah. not all action scenes and things like that. It is very much the acting uh, that that goes on in it. So yeah. let's uh, let's let's get into the nitty-gritty um so it, the, the series starts off with um go on i i feel like you've got something to say here uh just on the uh casting something occurred to me uh while we were while, while i was looking through, you know as you're watching it and all these people come in and out like if like any uh famous black actor these days if you look back they were probably in the wire because all the best black actors were in the wire back when it was done i feel like this is the white the white actor version. It's like okay. if you're a famous white actor today, you were probably in Band of Brothers back in then. Okay. <laughs> like because there's sure. just everyone's in it. And like you say, even if it's yeah. someone who's a tiny little bit part or something, or a name that you don't know, you recognize the face. And mm-hmm. if you go and look it up, you're like, oh shit, he was in that. Because mm-hmm. it's I, I think um I think his name is Kirk Acevedo or something like that, is how you would say it. Acavido, I don't know, but he was in Fringe, and I know him from that. So when he turned up, yes. he's the one with the trench foot. He's the one with the trench foot. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Later okay. on, he gets yeah. trench foot. But yeah, you know what I mean? It's like you you see these people, and, and he's not a big, massive actor, but he's someone that you recognize. You're like, I know that guy. And there's so many of them with that. And I found the same thing when I watched The Wire. I was like, I know you from something. And then you end up looking them up and going, oh, yeah, shit, you were in this that I watched the other day. And it's just, but that's where they got their start. And like I say, I just feel that, that with Band of Brothers, that, that, that so many white actors clearly got a start in this, uh, or this this was a big thing for them, you know. Yeah, I've just checked it, and it was Joe Toya. I was, I, oh, I can't remember. It was, uh, it was somebody in. So, yeah, so he was Joe Toya again. That's right, because it's Joe and Bill, isn't it? Yeah, who are uh, Bill Garnera. Or uh, gonorrhea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, spoiling, spoiling the the, the series. Um, so yeah, so the the, the series begins with uh, Easy Company uh, basically being shown at their training camp. Uh, I think at this point they're in still in America. I think they're in Georgia. Um, yeah, and so, so Sobel, David Schwimmer is their 
first lieutenant, uh, their, their kind of captain at this point, basically go taking them through the drill instructions. And, and he's, he's a very, very strict, a very authoritarian kind of individual. Um, he, he wants the best out of everybody, and he's not very nice about it at the same time. Um, he, he basically sees that if he trains his team harder, longer, faster, stronger, that they will be the best team and they will be the best unit. And that's, but that's, that's a, but, sorry, carry, carry on. on. No, no, you no, finish no. your point. Um, yeah, so it doesn't necessarily make him the most endearing of of commanders. Um, quite simply, his men hate him. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. he he really does. But he goes out of his way to kind of pick faults. He'll like walk up and pick a bit of lint off of somebody's uniform and throw it. And he's like, okay, you've lost your weekend pass. And it's like for a bit of lint, kind of a deal. But this is it. He's he's very much an army man. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, I think he's. Uh, it is that, as I keep saying, the Ali Ermi uh, full metal jacket drill sergeant trope. Yeah, that, that, that you know, essentially, that that performance coloured a lot of performances that came after it. Of you know anything from interpretation to, uh, I think my favourite one is probably Clancy Brown's version in Starship Troopers. <laughs> His version <laughs> of the drill sergeant, I absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking love yeah. because he plays it a little bit tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of forget but, Clancy Brown was in Starship Troopers. Thank yeah, you for me that. Oh my God. <laughs> I forget about oh, that. That again, foreshadowing potentially for a future episode. Oh, okay, right. Very <laughs> I would be happy to talk about Starship Troopers. I love that film. So oh, that's alright, man. So um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> sorry, I've lost my train of thought now. Yeah, no, true, my yeah, point yeah. was, I loved that the way that they said um, they brought something to me that I've never seen before in these sort of things, which is why why the drill sergeant does this why as you say that such tiny things are picked up on and it was i think i think he says it to someone or someone you know uh, the two people are talking between each other about why and it's it's so that you know that the guy stood next to you is just as fucking hard and dedicated and good as you are Mm -hmm. do you want to be out there with guys who are the top of the top of the top so that if shit goes down you are covered by the very best or do you want to just have the guys who, you know, can't quite finish the run, can't quite carry the stuff, don't keep their stuff tidy? Because it is, it all builds up and adds together mm-hmm. to make you an excellent soldier at the end of the day. And that is something that, that they're very good at instilling in the first instance. And then you, I, I feel that you see that play through. Yeah. You know, you, you see as they advance that the fact that they are that fucking good means that. That you, know, I don't want to say more of them survive, but you know you, you can see the survivors among them is mm-hmm. because of the, the the early training and the fact that they were trained to be that damn good and that damn perfect. Yeah, and I think this is where the you know this the, the actual title of of the series, the the book itself, Band of Brothers, because effectively that's what they are in this in this instance of okay, you guys are, are going to be a band of group of guys all together going off to fight a war. If you don't have your shit together, if you do not do not fight as a unit and know that the guy next to you in this foxhole has your back, hmm. then you're just going to be shit scared. But if yeah. you know that your team is with you 100%, that they've got your back 100%, that they're as trained as you are 100%, then you're going to have that confidence. And yeah, as you see, especially as this episode progresses, he obviously, you know, uh, Sobel kind of picks on a couple of different characters 
intending to go, okay, you've got to go and run up that hill. Uh, you know, I want you to go and run up that hill and back again because uh, mm. you, you didn't do it quick enough. So a couple of his uh, a couple of his fellow buddies start jogging along with him. They're not ordered to do it, but they do no. it along with him because they're like, if he's doing it, we're doing it with him. We're not letting him do it on their own. We're going to give him moral support. That's it. You're exactly right. And that's where you see it coming together, isn't it? Where you, you, yeah. you see that sort of why this is like this. Because I've always thought that. Why punish everyone for some for the actions of one person? But I get it after watching this. I get it because it, it, it establishes that brotherhood. And you do go, right, fucking hell. All right, you've got to go and do this on your own. Um, nah, I'm going to come with you because I don't want anything to happen to you. I want to make sure you get through this and you yeah. get back. And that that is, as you say, the brotherhood. And yeah, it's all established really beautifully in these in this first episode. So as the episode, the first episode progresses, each uh, you know they're, they're they're continuing their training, they're getting out there and doing things. But what is abundantly clear is that Sobel is a truly, truly atrocious soldier. He may be a good drill instructor, but he is a terrible soldier uh, and a terrible leader. And this is becoming more and more apparent. Now, there's a little bit, again, one of the good things about this show is that it isn't just very, very serious all the time. There are moments of, of humor. Uh, so you've got, we've got one of the characters kind of uh, mimicking the voice uh, of like the colonel or something like that. Oh, it's like, yes. would you get him across that damn field? And it's hilarious because, again, humor needs to be maintained throughout this entire series because if they isn't, it's it's all really miserable all the time so i like the fact that there is a sense of humor i, I also think that makes character. sense as well because if i was a soldier out in the field yeah. you would have to keep yourself you, you would you know you've got to keep morale up haven't you you've got yeah, to keep exactly. yourself entertained yeah. so you've morale, got to have a it, sense yeah, of yeah. humor about it yeah. about the situation to to be able to keep going to keep doing the job but yeah like you say it's it he panics like hell doesn't he in some sort of um instruction uh some sort of drill test or something mm -hmm that they're trying to do, and he just completely fucks up and is left to make a decision. Panics like hell, can't make a decision, and then, yeah, that bit where he, one of the other soldiers impersonates his boss <laughs> and tells him just to get on with it or whatever. It's yeah, he's like, oh, cut. Funny. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a fence in front. Well, cut that fence. Get him through. No, yeah. you're not supposed to cut that fence. You're in the wrong place. You've just let yeah. a bunch of cows out, and then they get a bit of shit for it, um, yeah. which eventually leads to a number of the non-commissioned officers basically walking into, uh, you know, to the higher-up's office and basically handing the notices in on the mass, like a half yeah. dozen of them walking in and just basically giving a piece of paper saying, if I have to go to war with Sobel, I will die. Um, yes. I don't want to do it. And the fact that all of the non-commissioned officers do it is a huge sticking point for the boss. Like, he's not happy about the fact that his op his non-commissioned officers kind of are being in It's almost a mutiny, uh, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, it's a very and, weird thing within the military. Uh, but yeah, it's it's almost... You know, you're you're mutinying against your commanding yep. officer. This is and this is bad. The poignant thing is, as soon as they walk out, and then Sobel's walking in and, and kind of sees them walking out. At the same time, Winters, um, yeah, uh, Damien uh, Lewis's character, who's always very much in this episode, been at the forefront, been the kind of guy that they could go to, the kind of guy that they could foresee being there. Yeah, leader. he's essentially like Sobel's um, number two, isn't he? Yeah, and, and Sobel knows that he's better than him, so he yeah. treats him like shit and makes him do the horrible yeah. jobs. But he's doing a horrible job. They all walk out of this place, and they all salute him because they have respect for the man. Mm. And that's a, an important point. And then eventually, 
it leads to Sobel basically being reassigned, told, sorry, you're actually doing too good of a job training yeah. soldiers. We don't want you out there. We want you back home training, training them all soldiers. Yeah. Which puts everybody's mind at ease because they think, shit, I don't have to jump, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't have to jump into, into a war zone with this loser who doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Now we've got Winters, a guy we have respect for, a guy we trust. Um, so this was kind of in a say in a nutshell. This is the first episode. Now, your your impressions watching it for the first time. Uh, that that's not a nutshell. This is me in a nutshell. Help! How did I get inside this bloody great big nutshell? Ah, oh, Jesus! What kind of shell has a nut like this? Um, sorry, I'm just finding my notes. So, yeah, this uh, the first thing I want to say is uh, shout out to Michael Kamen for the music. I love a bit of Michael Kamen, as we've discussed numerous times before, um, largely due to his work with Metallica. Um, but I, you know, also Lethal Weapon soundtracks are amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, this, like you said, this first one was really interesting. I'm glad that I got what I wanted because, yes, I hated Sobel, and I was like, oh shit, if I have to spend the entire <laughs> series watching him as the commanding officer, I am going to go fucking mental. So I was very, very pleased when he was removed from command. Um, and as you say, you, you know, it, it kind of comes anyway, because you can see that, that Winters is the man for the job. Um, they're just not sure quite how to manoeuvre him in there. And yeah, he Sobel treats him so fucking badly, like you say, and even tries to court-martial him, yeah. doesn't he, for something that is just a jumped-up load of bullshit. But he's yeah, he trying. wants to reprimand him. He's like, "Oh, you do this, or you'll get a court martial." And when is this like I could do it? No, fuck it. I'll take the court martial because yeah. I want you to go fuck yourself. Yeah, because he also, I think, knows that if in a court martial, all the facts are going to yes. come out. Yeah, and therefore they're going to see that Sobel is a piece of shit who isn't very good at his job, and mm -hmm. that other people have been covering for him, or he's been making other people cover for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was really happy with that. And I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't obviously going into this, knowing nothing. Um, I didn't know what format I was dealing with at this stage mm -hmm. because it starts. If I remember rightly, the episode starts with them being told, right, we're You're going to Britain. Yep. And then goes back in time and tells us the story leading up to that point. Mm hmm. And, and then, then, of course, shows that Britain and their training there. Exactly. Um, so, oh, is that the second episode then? No, no, no. This is the first. No, is episode. it all the, the first, first episode, episode? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The whole first episode is their training. Yeah, that's right. But it starts with them getting told they're getting shipped out. Yeah. And then goes back and tells the story. Yeah, it kind of yeah, doesn't. It goes it? Like, okay, and yeah. Then we've actually, it turns out that that point we saw at the beginning where they're told they're going is the D-Day landing that was cancelled and postponed yeah. for a few days later. So they yeah. don't go at that stage as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I was I, that was the only thing with it. I was like, oh, are we just following this chronologically? I, you know, I'm not really sure where we're going. Um, so that was the only thing for me, is is what sort of structure we were going to go. And, and that takes a couple of episodes to come in, if you don't know anything, I think, to be honest. Because you just sort of, as you go along, you realise, oh, you're just telling a chronological story of you know what they did you know their progression from the start of the war to the end of the war and picking key battles and parts that easy company were involved in and it's cool uh the only thing i did think at the beginning because as you say it starts with talking heads of the people who were really there i because they pay it off in the last episode i'm perfectly happy with the way do, they do it 
But at, like, at this point, not knowing, I was sitting there going, who are these people? Because they don't tell you the names of the people who were the talking heads at the beginning. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so I'm the sitting there thinking, yeah. well, I guess this is Easy Company. Yeah. I guess they're members of Easy Company. But I love that they don't tell you who it is because it, it then means that you don't know who's going to live or die as you yes. go along. If yes. you know that Dick Winters is one of the blokes talking, and I'm not saying he is or isn't, but mm -hmm. if his head is one of the people talking, then you know he lives, doesn't, don't you? So it takes some of the stakes away from it. Because at the end of the day, this is still a TV show. So it needs to have stakes and consequences and, you know, uh, that sort of thing for us to invest in. Um, but yes, they do, thankfully, in the last episode, properly tell you who everyone you've been listening to is. So that I was like, yay, I finally know who these people are. And obviously, yes, it is Easy Company, the survivors of Easy Company who are talking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go for it. Uh, so, I mean, again, one of the things that, that shone out for me on this, uh, watching it for the first time was the, I mean, again, having seen, you know, Seba Prime Ryan, the, the gritty realism of that, that war, the production from the costumes, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I dread that they'd all kind of gone on basic training uh, and things like that so that they were instilled with the idea of, okay, this is what a soldier went through then. You're going to go through the same kind of thing. Mm. Um, I know that the same uh, consultant, uh, Dale Dye, uh, I've seen him in a number of things. He popped up in Entourage, you, uh, mm. if you remember, as the submarine guy who was training. Um, uh, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, he was. He was the guy. who's like, oh yeah, Eric. Uh, if you if you don't want to, anyway, we're, we're digressing. Um, yeah. So I knew that he was in it. He also plays uh, their Colonel uh, Sink. I think it's Colonel Sink. He, he he plays. He was fantastic because again, he brings that gritty realism, um, and he's the guy that trained them all and was like, okay. I'm going to be the consultant, but I'm going to act and I'm going to show you all what, what, what is great. Yeah. I know from, again, reading stuff that a lot of the actors, for those individuals who they were going to portray and those that were still alive, they did get in contact with them uh, by phone on stuff like that. So they got to, to hear their stories. And I think that was one of the things, like watching this first episode, it wasn't just a collection of kind of actors thrown in roles. It's clearly a bunch of people who have embrace this uh, and look at this. I've Again, I've read from loads of actors over the years. This was one of the most inspirational series and shows they've ever worked on because it was so passionate uh, about that time of the uh, of the war and, and so much was going on. That, you know, it, even today, we, you know, we still think about those kind of things. Hmm. So going through that first episode, watching them go through the training, knowing that the next one is like preparation for them to jump uh, into and into occupied France, essentially, you kind of go. Yeah. I hope some of these guys make it, yeah. uh, which brings us brings us to episode two, which is uh, them basically landing in Normandy. Now, again, for me, that the beginning scenes of this is uh, you know the planes going in. Again, I'm sure the CGI probably be a little bit more polished, but again, there's just that sense of gritty realism to it. Uh, just watching the sheer number of planes and things like that heading into the skies and, and heading to France to drop all of these soldiers and you just get these scenes of soldiers just jumping out of planes all over the place you know anti-air turrets blowing the crap out of planes left right and centre people dying left right and centre uh, you know the, the the commander of Easy Company itself his plane mm. is one of the first to be hit um, resulting in Winters effectively taking command but it's them all getting together on the ground. It's like, you know, going through the aftermath of, okay, yeah, we're going to jump. 
and then they're all landing on the ground and then trying to get their bearings, trying to get some equipment, some weapons, uh, you know, basically getting some troops together to, to end up where they're supposed to be. And from this one, um, we've got majority of us suppose this episode is kind of from winter's perspective collecting a bunch of troops together just scattered troops from different companies and from different regiments and stuff like that and getting them to where they need to be um mm. again it just shows his immediate leadership skills because he's like okay this is where we're going to go and you know when they're looking at night and he has to throw a tarpaulin over himself so that his light won't be seen and all those little intricacies and things like that he knows where he needs to be and this was the bit that you kind of get the feeling that this is a guy who knows not necessarily what he's doing but he's he's the guy that's going to get them there anyway um they take out a couple of gun emplacements um and and again this is pretty great because They've landed. They've just landed in a in a foreign country, and they get right into it. They go right for the gun placements. He has a strategy. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this, and it just earns him the respect of everybody else because instead of sitting on his laurels and things like that, there are a couple of characters that kind of go off a bit and don't necessarily follow orders and a little bit gun ha- uh, gun you know gun happy gung ho gung ho trigger happy. Gung yeah. Ho and Trigger Happy as well, I was kind of saying. So yeah, he's got he's got to deal with kind of, kind of that, but at the same time, they've literally just landed in a war zone. You can't go, oi, dude, you can't do that. He's going to shoot you in the head. Uh, you don't know what some of these crazy people are going to do, but it's getting that sense of calm, getting that sense of order, which is kind of what he um, he kind of introduces. Um, yourself, uh, for, from the second episode, what are your highlights, thinking points? Uh, as you say, that uh, that parachute sequence right at the beginning actually um, made me think of a 2018 uh, sort of war horror film based around exactly the same time period of the D-Day landings called Overlord. Um, I can't think whether I've ever mentioned it on pod before, but it's um, it starts out as a, a fairly standard World War II film, you think. Um, but then they discover a German experimentation lab and, oh, there's crazy stuff. So, you know. Again, it's not a a new thing, but I mention it because that film has one of the best D-Day landing sequences I've ever seen um, in in its opening. It's absolutely fantastic. However, (laughs) it's basically just this. (laughs) It's basically this. And I had no idea when I watched Overlord. It's just that crazy thing, isn't it? Particularly, you know, in the modern day now. And I'm sure, you know, obviously it's been going on for years because films have been around. But if you see something in something and you think that's awesome, you know, if that's the first time you've seen it, for all you know, that's the first time it's ever happened. You don't know that actually what they've just done is looked at the Band of Brothers sequence and gone, hey, that's really fucking cool. (laughs) I bet with modern CG, we can make that look even fucking better. And it does. But it is the same exact sequence, pretty much, that they use in this. And I was like, wow, it looks awesome. And it was ages ago. Um, uh, A point that you made in the first episode that only really started coming to my mind at this stage um, was authenticity. And as you say, you know, production value, that sort of stuff. Um, It's, you know, they're in that, again, in the flying sequence, yes, okay some of that CG because there just weren't that many, there aren't that many planes of that type flying anymore. Yeah. So you can't do it. Fine. Um, but like, so when they land on the ground and stuff, or the, you know, the wreckages of the planes that are around, a lot of that looks genuine, like actual prop stuff, you know, production design stuff. 
um and all the forests and all this it just feels so real and gritty like you know like you said it, it but it was at this point where I, I literally wrote the word authentic keeps coming to mind because it was a sense of authenticity that I was getting more than anything. Um, at this stage, I was personally, because I, I, like I say, I come to it new and we'd had two episodes and the first episode isn't focused on any one person really, is kind of bouncing around. And so there's a lot of people to try and meet and get to know. At this stage still, I was more following the plot than I was the characters. I was still getting my head around, oh, hang on, you're, no, I can't remember your name, but you were in the last episode in that sequence mm. in the background. Sure. And obviously this builds the more it goes and the more you get to know the characters. But that's why at this stage my notes are not so much on character because I was getting the overwhelming, you know, I was getting the feeling from the other parts of the show at this stage. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of episode three, four, that I began to see, A, that each episode was a different thing, its mm -hmm. own thing, and potentially used a different story construction. Um, but also that the characters were then starting to shine through. I noticed when Malarkey was in the background, I didn't need them to say, hey, Malarkey, you know, I, I was like, oh, look, Malarkey's there with his two buddies. And then there's that person over there, you know, and yeah. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it but again at this stage i was kind of a part of me was a little bit like i sort of feel like i've seen this in a way you know i've seen plenty of warm stuff where people are getting trained at camp and i've seen the d-day landing sequence done a few times so just because of the nature of what the first two episodes contained there was a little bit of me going i want to get past this bit because i feel like i've i've been here and done this what what comes next? Because that's the stuff I I know far less about. Mm -hmm. So from there, we obviously go into uh, to, to episode three. So again, this is them. You know, easy easy companies now kind of been put a little bit more together. Uh, a lot more of them have kind of connected up uh, easy company is is actually a thing as opposed to just being scattered uh, around. You know. The, the northern area of France to kind of get their shit together. Uh, but unfortunately, they obviously go into battle. Uh, they do lose uh, a few men. Um, the majority of this episode kind of focuses on um, uh, Private Blythe. Indeed, uh, this is, like I say, this is the point where I was starting to say, oh, okay, so this is a, around a character. So we're going to follow this character for this episode. Yes. So then I was, it was much easier for me to go, cool, okay, this is Blythe. I'm going to get to know Blythe. Uh, yes, which is Mark Warren, uh, who yeah. I'd seen in many, many. You know, he's been a British actor yeah. in many, many. He's films another face that, yeah, I knew from stuff and looked yeah. him up. I was like, oh yeah, you've done and the again, you stuff. look back and you just think, you know, Mark Warren, and you just kind of go, wow, this is a huge thing for a guy that age, an actor of that that standing back then, to be front and center of a huge, uh, you know, show like this. That that's a you know big ask of somebody, and I think he really does knock it out of the park as this kind of. You know, he, I think he's the epitome of this soldier who really has just been thrown in the deep end. He's like, yeah, I'm here and I'm doing my job. But he suddenly gets there and it's this kind of like, he doesn't really know what's going on. He's just kind of mm. a little bit shell-shocked, a little bit post-traumatic stress. Mm. It, already at this stage of the war. Yeah, but he hasn't time, really experienced a huge amount yeah. at this point. And, and uh, not saying that that isn't 
possible, by the way. I know that PTSD is very possible yeah. from the smallest events, but it, 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 I feel it, it, they did it this way to illustrate how little you need to have experienced war to feel the psychological effects of it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's... Because that's the thing, you, you see him and he, he's obviously going through some stuff. He's just kind of looking off into the distance that are like, Blythe, he's like, yeah. And he, eventually they're in the middle of battle and Winters is just kind of like, come on, Blythe, lay it on him. And it's just like, again, just showing he can see that this guy is a little bit reserved and he's not all there. But it's like, you know what, we're in a war zone. He's like, Blythe, get, get your fucking ass in gear. You know, do what you need to do. You're a soldier. Do what you... And he does. He comes alive and he's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. Um Again, it's it's one of the, the the harsh ones because you know it ends with you know them kind of sneaking up on a house uh, and a sniper being there and just kind of taking Blythe out. We learn that he does, uh, you know, he does survive at that point, uh, but he does. It's it's never well. I mean, according to the notes here, uh, a never corrected producer's error uh, states that Blythe died. Uh, he didn't. He actually continued to serve in the army um, until he died uh, as a master sergeant in 1967. Oh, so it was okay, one of so those things. Of my... Yeah. <laughs> I've got a note right at the end of the episode yeah. that went, oh, Blythe did die. Yeah. And, and this is the thing, <laughs> like, because I'd, I'd, I'd watched this before and I'd read. Uh, I'd read a book on it and stuff like that. I was always like, well, hang on a minute. I've read that Blythe doesn't die. And so, yeah, this was the kind of, I think it was Wikipedia. It was just basically just, oh, yeah, they basically didn't correct it. But yeah, he actually survived and, and didn't die. He still gets a Medal of Honor. Um, and again, it's that scene like at the end with him in, in a hospital uh, and there's other people kind of scattered around and are all like, you know, walking up with medals and they're like, is it is it really fair that you get a couple? And he's, you know, he, he's going to, he might die and he's only got one and a purple heart sorry it's a purple heart yes because um, there's they're almost joking aren't they that yeah. one of them's almost joking that he goes back out into the field to you know get shot in the foot or whatever to come back so that he gets a medal but doesn't die and then he goes yeah. back out and does the same sort of thing again it's sort of implied isn't it yeah so i mean this is uh, i mean again this was the 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 one that kind of showed we d- we had although we'd seen in in the first one, uh, you know, training. The second one, okay, landing in Normandy. We don't see too much in, in respect of like deaths uh, and horrible stuff going on in the war. That's this is where that kind of begins in episode three. Like casualties begin to mount up. Yeah. Um, the, the the fact that they're there now, it's like okay, we're embedded in the war. Episode two kind of got them landing there and and getting a, a foothold. This begins the actual kind of war itself, and that's yeah, where the, think... the campaign, if you like, yeah, exactly, moving yeah. across. Yeah, yeah, it's um, Canantan is the place they're attacking, yeah, in this episode. It's the assault on Canantan. Uh, um, so your thoughts, uh, well, yeah, I, I, that's where I've started. So the assault on Canantan, I think, is absolutely fantastic. It is gritty, it's tense, dramatic, and it, it feels real, it feels authentic again because of. Because of the production value, because of the costume design, because of the quality of the acting, because of the foley work. Yeah, it just all comes together. There's no one thing that I think I can pick out from this to say, yes, you, you are the reason this is so fantastic. It is more than I have ever known in my life, because I know, you know, I know of many films I can think of where I would say the ensemble cast makes it. But Mm -hmm. this is the total ensemble. 
it's not just the ensemble cast that's making it. It's the ensemble cast combined with the pro production design, combined with the, the sound work, combined with the, you know, it's all of it together. The direction, the production, the writing, it just is all coming together to make this thing feel so much more dramatic and real than I've than anything I've encountered before. Mm -hmm. um, I quite like the sequence with the lieutenant. They're talking about a lieutenant. Um, it's a one of your little moments of levity, as you say. Uh, oh, Spears, Lieutenant Spears. Spears, yeah. that's right. Thank you. At this yeah. stage, I didn't know his name. I just knew he was the lieutenant. But yeah, they're they're sort of doing the Chinese whispers uh, stories about what they've heard him do, and there's a little flashback and stuff to him supposedly finding a load of Germans and then maybe killing them. Did he? Didn't he? I don't know. Ooh, yeah. But it's funny again because, as you say, in this early stage, legends are being formed. Yeah. Pretty much after D-Day, you know, DJ, D-Day, D-Day formed the legends of many a, a lieutenant and corporal throughout the army, it would seem. And there is someone with a tale to tell about one person or another. Uh, the, I tell you what, there is a bit in this that absolutely shocked the heck out of me and just made me physically jump when I was watching it is because it's so out of the blue so true to life and realistic i guess with what could happen um there's a bit where someone make, wakes someone up for a shift change ah uh, yeah and stabs. and he just gets up and starts stabbing him and it's not yeah. like he just stabs him once he's stabbing him and stabbing him and stabbing him and then he goes oh shit it's one of my guys and backs off and i was like fuck no no don't die i like you that's horrible but true i guess because you're on alert the whole time aren't you you can't, you know, even though you may want to sleep to rest, you your brain must be in such a state that it, it is constantly on alert, just in case while you're sleeping, something happens. And oh god, it, it I mean, thankfully the bloke didn't die, but it did absolutely shock the heck out of me because it just came out of nowhere. Um the battle towards the end, I mean, th there's a good couple of battles in this one. Uh, or I suppose it's one battle that that sort of goes through the whole episode. Yeah. But I found the, the particularly the the second half of the episode of the battle, and this isn't a bad thing. It, it, again, it, it shows me that it's it's coming across authentically and realistically to me. I was exhausted. I I felt actually exhausted by the end of the episode. I I even got a sense of relief. When the battle was over, when they because I think they have to retreat from this one, don't they? But yes, they do. Yeah, I, I actually was relieved myself personally, not for the characters. I felt a sense of relief because it was calming down the the, the freneticism. I'm going to go with that. If it's not a word, I've just created it. Um, the the, the freneticism it, it it has just kept my heart. You know, it must literally be my heart rate and adrenaline is pumping. You know, is up while I'm watching the episode because it is invoking a physical reaction in me due to the drama on screen. And you know, I guess that's why people really like this show, isn't it? Because uh, it's actually really pretty fucking good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In terms um, of what you aim to achieve with a TV show, you know. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's it's one of the the again. Um... One of the most poignant things for me is again going back to the the great Scott Grimes, who plays it really, really well as Malarkey towards the end. Um, so he kind of goes into the 
so they've obviously been relieved. They're back, uh, you know, they're back in England. So he goes to uh, a house to go and pick up his laundry and, and kind of go and pay. And she's like, oh, um, while you're here, could you uh, could you possibly take this person? So I, I think he must have forgot it. And he just looks around and suddenly sees all these names on all these packages of all the soldiers they've just lost. Hmm. And that's the kind of thing that kind of hits home from him because he's suddenly like, he just kind of, he just takes a moment and he's like, yeah, I'll pay for that one. And then she's suddenly like, oh, have you heard about, about this soldier and this soldier? And she just kind of reads out names and you just kind of go, fucking hell. But, you know, they're only just, they've only oh, just started. Christ. Yeah, no, the sequence you lost. mean where she's collecting the, collecting the yeah. laundry. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That nearly broke my fucking heart. That did. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing it was like when they were you know uh again sorry 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 go on no sorry Uh, again so one of the 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 last things literally because what this is the great thing again when the the episodes kind of end there's always a little blurb or something like that that kind of says uh and this one again i've made notes and things like that this one kind of says um uh after after easy had been pulled off the line uh they'd lost uh 65 men um so that's you know 65 men at this point i mean obviously we you know the whole world loses millions and millions of people you know, as a result of this whole fucking thing but this is it you're just like oh my god this well, is yeah but that's from one company isn't this it? is it yeah one one company from one and company that's a beginning. huge amount um and like i say blythe is listed as dying but he actually survives and yeah he goes on but um sorry you're about to to, to say something as well um, sorry. yes uh, it doesn't matter I can't remember. Carry on. To, okay. to do, uh, it was to do with the point we were discussing at the time. That's why I jumped and I forgot to write down what we were discussing at the time so I could come back to it when I'd let you finish. So it's my fault. Doesn't matter. That's all right. No worries. Um, so we move on to the next one. And uh, so Easy, uh, Easy Company and all the guys, are, they've obviously been relieved uh, for, from the end of the previous one. So they're still in the UK. Uh, they're, they're kind of just enjoying a bit of downtime in, in a good old English pub, uh, which you love to see, you know, American yeah, yeah, good old English pub, having a, having a pint. Um, so there's a bunch of new recruits uh, that are kind of there, that are essentially replacements, which doesn't go down well with everybody because they don't, you know, they're not exactly happy about new recruits coming in. They're not the veterans and all this kind of and stuff. And again, you can uh, see you can track that back to their training. They yes. were trained together as a unit to be the best. Now they've got people coming in who have been trained in other ways by other teams. You know, you don't know anymore that the man next to you has got your back. Yeah. Is is the feeling it, that seems to sweep across them. Um, so they find out that they're, that again, they're going to be moving again um, and basically telling them that. Um, so this is one of the, again, there's some great names that which I really love in this. Um, uh, for the operations and things like this, this one always made. Me, so this was uh, Operation Market Garden. Uh, yes, Operation uh, Market Garden. I like yeah, that. <laughs> I'm hoping, isn't like, it? Okay, where where are we going? Oh, you're going into Holland, Market yeah. Garden. Okay, yeah. that worked. Um, to, to kind of go in and and kind of try and help liberate a city, um, which was uh, which was under the command of British forces at the time. Um, so I mean, it's. Again, so they're all preparing to jump and stuff like that, um, which is hilarious again, because you, you see some of the, the guys um, who are experienced in doing it and then the guys who aren't, which is, you know, funny. Um, and then it, it goes, well, like, this is the weird thing. You kind of go, okay, they're going to jump in. They're going to jump into a, a shit storm. And they don't. They jump in, and the whole city's like, "Yeah, round of applause!" And they're like, "What? Yeah. We, we were expecting a little bit more resistance." In my notes, um, it says that was quick. 
Eindhoven's yeah. liberated? Question mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously the Germans had kind of buggered off knowing that this was all coming. Um, again, there's some pretty harrowing stuff going on. Uh, again, impact of of the war itself, where you get a load of uh, a load of women that are just kind of uh, Dutch women being put down in the street and having their heads shaved and kind of being mocked and because they stoned been, and all that sort of stuff. You know, because they. You know, been been friendly with the Germans. We'll leave yeah, it at that. With the Germans, they suspect. So. Um, uh, but the thing is, like, they stood around. All, all the Americans are stood around. There's nothing they can do. It's whether they agree with it or not. There's, you know, it's not really your place to uh, to to, to no, say. I or think do one anything. of them gives something to uh, one who is a uh, has a baby, doesn't he? Later on, he sees one with the shaved. She's got the patchy shaved head, and she's got yes. a baby in her arms. He like yeah. gives her some of his ration or something later on. Yeah. To show that the Yanks, you know, don't necessarily agree with what's happened. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. I've got to be honest. My immediate thought was when I saw that, I thought, well, how do you know they weren't raped by the Germans? Because you shouldn't be doing that shit if they've been raped by the fucking Germans, because they didn't have much choice in that, did they? So I, 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 I just feel this. I mean, obviously, I don't know the, what. I, you know, I assume that was really what happened. It's always difficult when you're watching yeah. something based on. But if that's really what happened, then I, you know, I think the Dutch proved themselves to be potentially as bad as everyone else in that situation if that's what they were doing but yeah, I mean, it's interesting it. without knowing yeah. the full story isn't it which obviously this is it i mean you you know it's it's the stuff that went on during the the war that nobody you know talks about and stuff yes, like well, that, the, that the, yeah the, which we in, get to don't we but yeah uh the fact that they we show uh the the fact that they show uh the severity of this and they show, th this is the thing it's it's the realism yeah, you like would say get they don't a pull their fucking shiny bunches. film and stuff like that. Hide it. They would kind of hide this stuff. They go, mm. "Oh, okay, yeah, there's a resistance and this, that, and the other." They wouldn't show the everyday people, which is this kind of thing. You've got like the leader of the resistance movement, who's just a, a general kind of guy, like a, sh mm. a shop owner or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're the resistance, and you kind of look at him and go, "You've got a bunch of troops here. You're the resistance." But yes, that's exactly how it was. I mean, you know, the French resistance was instrumental. Vive la resistance! Uh, yeah, he's a vive la Um Instrumental in, in taking down the Germans in, in France. Indeed. You know, if it weren't for the resistances across Europe, uh, you know, half of uh, the Allies wouldn't have been able to do half of what they did because they needed the information and stuff like that. So yeah, exactly. uh, it's very, very important. But this gets to one of the, the absolutely, I say, beautiful, brilliant battles. Um, so they're going in to this town. Uh, and straight away, you kind of like a guy takes a sniper, and you're kind of like, Christ, okay. So they kind of draw the tank out, and so they, they just kind of go into this town, and it's just like you've got the British. Who is he? Like, look, there's. I can see there is a tank over there. I can oh, see God, there's a tank over there. Is like, brilliant. I can't see him from here, so if I I can't see him, then I'm not going to do anything. So he drives up. Guess what? He gets blown up by the tank, fucking and you're stupid. like, "You fucking moron!" He literally yeah. told you there's a tank there. He can see it, and he's like, "Well, if I can't see it, it's not there." And you just think, yeah. "Well," and he was even saying, "Okay, you can't see it, so shoot through that fucking wall there." And I'm telling you, on the other side of that is a fucking tank. Yeah. So shoot through the wall. Um, so it's didn't make yeah. us look very good. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's like, "Well, sorry, I can't, I can't destroy uh, property unnecessarily." What? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can't destroy property unnecessarily. All right then. Um, so yeah, so eventually it all, you know, it all goes to shit. That again, they lose. Uh, you know, they lose this more the, people. Is this the one where they lose bull for a bit? Uh, no, uh, the battle where bull is caught up in. Uh, there's one where bull gets caught up in a. 
no, no, it's later. Sorry. Yeah, it's later. Yeah, sorry. That's fine. Um, so, um, so Compton uh, is. <laughs> this is the great one. Uh, so Compton is is kind of walking away, and uh, while we're, while retreating, um, gets shot in the ass, <laughs> which is. Um, uh, but Compton, he's he's just hilarious because he just gets shot in the ass, and he's just like he just can't believe it. Um, yeah. Which again, he's being lifted and carried by like three guys. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just hilarious. But they they sustain quite a number of casualties, and they're kind of they're kind of a little bit disjointed at this point because uh, the, the Germans have, have captured the town and they're not going to get it back. Um, and it's just kind of like, no, this is no, no, no. This is no, no, no. This is with Ball. No, no, no. This is with Ball because Ball gets left behind. This yeah, is with Ball. This is Ball. He gets yeah, left yeah, yeah. behind and then ends up in a little barn with. Yes, he does. Uh, that's family, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, the one. Yeah. Well, we don't find out until the the next one. But yeah, so no apologies. Um, so yeah, Ball gets separated from the company because they're trying to retreat. There's tanks all over the place. He 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 goes one side of it and kind of ends up hiding in a sewer as the Germans kind of approach this town. Yeah. And so yeah, he's left behind and they don't know what happens to him. And then um, so at the end of the episode, he just sort of rides in on the four by four, doesn't he? And they're all like, "Bowie, you jump in an episode ahead." That's an Am episode I? ahead. Yes. Oh, I'm really sorry. I thought he's the next episode. Was... No, no, no. He's he's still in the town. At the end of this episode, they've retreated. Oh, uh, right. Easy Company have retreated because the Germans have swept over them because the English were basically being a bunch of dumbasses and not listening. Um, the, the tank kind of screwed them over, so they have to retreat. Ball gets separated and gets stuck there. Yeah, I didn't remember now. Um, it's just, yeah, in my notes, I've got the next episode as being focused around a character, so I'd forgotten that the other bit was part of that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other note I have, like you say, it's a, there's some great stuff in there, there's some ridiculous stuff with the, like you say, is the Brits just not fucking listening. Um, I, uh, James McAvoy popped up in this one looking about 12. Yes. And he lasts yeah. about as long as I would expect a 12-year-old to last in war as well, to be fair. So uh, that that was nice to see him, and then I said goodbye. But yeah, no, it was yeah, but uh, he he kind of did well with, uh, with with Damian Lewis there, again, like... Like you say, he was you know, there he, to make he was, a... He was a, he was a, it was a character to make a point. And yeah, ex- exactly. He, he well, okay, this is an up-and-coming actor. We'll we'll give him a bit of prominence with this one. But again, it was the fact that he was one of the replacements, and that was it. It was, uh, you know, not everybody looked at them as just replacements. And the guy who just is replacing my dead friend who who died yeah. a little while ago, it's like, no, these are soldiers. They're they're still here for the same one. So yeah, so when he sends him on a thing, he's like, okay, go over there, and then he runs through with tripwire, and boom, he blows up. You are kind of like, oh, James McAvoy, yeah. Nice. Any other uh, notes yeah. on this episode? Not, not really, to be honest. Like I say, uh, the Eindhoven liberation seemed quick to me, but the, yeah, no, no, that's fine. Uh, we we talked about that. Yeah, I've got no other notes on that one though. Coolio. Um, so we're now uh, moving into uh, about halfway through now. Uh, so episode five. Um, so this one is now um, Winter's kind of given a full report this is kind of a yeah this is a whole episode based around damien lewis's character isn't it yeah um, where again so he's... this is one where we follow him is this the one where it starts with him running up to the top of a hill and stopping and looking down at something and then uh... it goes back and tells the story that leads up to that if you know yeah, what i, I mean because think... i don't want to say too much just in case i'm wrong on the episode uh this is the one where he kind of i think is he goes for a jog or something and comes back 
and then uh, he walks into walks into the, his quarters or his and Nixon's quarters, uh, and, and Nixon won't wake up because we uh, we yeah. haven't really touched on this because he's a bit of a drunk. Uh, he's yeah, drinking Nixon his way through the war. He's another one of those actors. Um, yes, he is. Yeah, um, I can't remember just, his name now. Uh, Ron Livingston. Thank you. That's the one. Um, and he's just kind of been drinking himself through the the war, and he's asleep, and he won't wake up. Uh, so Winters kind of comes in and he's like waking him up. So he just takes a cup and just throws it at him. And he wakes him up. He's like, oh, well, what What did you just throw at me? That cup. Oh, that was my piss, man. And so, yeah, he's just been waking up yeah. by, by his own piss, which is hilarious. Um, and uh, and then so, yeah, that's where Winters goes and then decides to, uh, to, to kind of write his report. Um, so it kind of flashes back um, to, to, to kind of telling them about what's happened and, and the wounded and, and things like this where they found a company of uh, Germans and stuff like this. And he's like, okay, get, get, get the troops to, together. We're going to go scout it. So they do. And, um, you know, uh, Winters is, is part of this. And this is the great thing. Like he is front and center of this episode, like leading his men, lead, leading the company. Um, and he, he decides he's going to order a charge, which he's going to lead. Um, and so, uh, and this is a great, again, the great thing in, in the episode, he, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to throw the smoke. And as soon as the smoke goes, come up behind me. So he, he throws his grenade out and goes running up and off he goes, but there's a delay on the smoke. So like, it takes like an extra 30 seconds for the smoke to go off or probably not as long as that. So they're all kind of huddled down waiting. They're like, no, you can't go until the smoke's gone. And the smoke finally goes, okay, now we go. But he's like way ahead of them. Yeah. And so he gets to this crossroads and then just picks up his gun and just starts firing and just goes to town on these guys. And you're like, okay. And then everybody kind of jumps up and stuff like that. Um, but it was a huge, it's like a surprise attack and they just don't see him and they just have no idea of what's coming. Mm. Uh, and just to see him there, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit crazy. Um, and yeah, so while this is all going on, as you say, uh, we've got Bull, who's back at the at the farm um, where he was left behind. And while this is all going on, and they're they're fighting the Germans over here, he's he's kind of fighting for his life. He finds a, a family who come in there, and he manages to shush them. And he's like, okay, it's fine. And I think they realise, okay, he's he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. And then he hides them away because the Germans come in. And it's that thing you see, he's basically kind of like huddled down. Uh, you know, he, he takes his rations out of his, his gun and stuff like that. And it's, 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 again, it's the methodical thing of watching this guy sitting in a hut, waiting for death to come to him, essentially. And the Germans surrounding him and him, him kind of fearing for his life. And eventually it's that silent battle between him uh, and the German, which he, you know, inevitably wins. Uh, and kind of leaving leaving these people alone to then go by the end of the episode, kind of hike him hike himself back a little bit and finding out that some of his friends had come come back for him because they were like, you know what, I don't like the idea that we left him behind. So you know, you get a few of them trundling up to to come and get him. Uh, and that's like you and say, they're told the end, at one stage that they don't do it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're to, they're categorically they're told no, we're not going to go and get him. He's yep. dead. Yeah, I like so, the go. Yeah, and uh, and the fact that yeah, he, and he comes back like you say, and by the end you've kind of got Winters who's gone through all this stuff. Uh, you know, they've they've taken a load of prisoners, and again, showing the the depth of of Winters' character 
they've got all these German prisoners and he's kind of looking at his guys and he's thinking, are all these German prisoners going to make it? So he grabs, he grabs, uh, I think it's Joe, uh, Joe Toro or uh, Joe Toya. Sorry. He grabbed Joe Toya's gun, grabs it, empties the clip, put one bullet back in there, gives it back. And he's like, okay, you can get them back with that one. Mm. It's like, there's one bullet in that gun. I'm not letting you kill them. You get them back. And it's just that great scene. He's just like, I am not letting you just go haphazardly killing people. And it's again, we're in war. There are rules to war um, yeah, that you kind of have to follow uh, unspoken rules, so to speak. Mm. Um, and yeah, like you say, and then when winters is just kind of looking out and he just suddenly sees bull on the back of a, a Jeep kind of riding in, just kind of smiles, looks at him like, I knew he'd make it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you bastard. Like, um so yeah your thoughts on this one yeah i uh yes this is exactly the one i was thinking of because it starts with damian lewis running and then he stops on the top of a hill and he's got his gun in his hand and he looks down and there's one german dude and he sort of pauses for a minute and the german dude's looking at him and they both sort of share a facial expression and then the german dude goes for his gun and he shoots him and then it goes backwards and it mm-hmm. tells us the story leading up to that point. And as you say, that point is actually with the bit they don't show you is after he shot that first one, it's it's at the end of that big charge. So he has arrived at a full field full of fucking Germans yep. miles ahead of his gang. So he's on his own, as you say, shooting, just gunning them down. Um, almost reminds me of Predator, where they're gunning down the jungle. There's a bit where they're just like <laughs> yeah. firing into the jungle, trying yeah, to kill yeah, the predator yeah, yeah. and clearly not hitting it at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's like the opposite of that. He's shooting <laughs> into the jo- into the field and he's just hitting every German going. Um, mm-hmm. I feel this one, particularly that sequence, I almost feel like it's a it is the 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 Winter's character. That's one of his legends. Because there's almost a because the talking <clears throat> heads at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. are saying, I, I don't know how he survived it. I don't know how mm. he managed to fucking do that. I, I still yeah. to this day don't know how he lived. And it so then when you watch the episode, you're like, oh my god, this is this is the telling of his legendary story then of that time that he was ahead of the charge and got to a field full of a hundred Germans and, yeah. you know, shot half of them and managed to not die and stuff. It, it you know, it, it, it was really interesting to see that. I, I thought that was very cool. Yeah. I mean, um, again, um, the fact that, you know, this is all based on a book and the accounts of each member of easy company and stuff like that. We know that, you know, nobody's nobody's going to go out there and go, oh, I did this and try and bolster their own reputation in the war. This was war. This isn't kind of social media in this day and age where everyone's yeah. like, well, you got the brand. Okay, I say I'm going to do this. I'm going to up the story a little bit and kind of proclaim a little bit more. No, they, they were, if anything, they're probably underselling the shit that they did because they don't want to kind of admit this is kind of how many people I killed in my life. Um, yeah. They're all soldiers in war and you kind of have to forgive them for that. But like you did say... You f- Sorry, go on. No, no, please, no, no, please do. I, I was going to say, you're right, you're absolutely right, thinking about whenever you hear, particularly these these gentlemen talking about their experiences in war, they never, ever sound proud No. of anything that they've done. No. They never sound happy about it, necessarily. You know, there's no... They And, and if anything, 
they want to make it sound less than it actually was. Yeah. You know, they, they almost want to diminish their achievements. Yeah, I think... Um... And it's an interesting... I, I, I don't have no idea why that would be the mindset, but no. I, you know, I, I get that, you know, I, I get why that might happen. I have my own ideas on why they might be feel like that and want that to be the case. But, you know, it is a, it's just struck in my head because it was an interesting point you made. Yeah, I mean, from personal experience, um, I know that my granddad, uh, who did fight in World War II, um, I mean, I, you know, as, as a young kid, I knew that he'd, he'd fought in World War II, and I knew that my nan um, was, you know, in Britain as, as one of the ladies and, uh, you know, doing her part as well. So I know that both of my grandparents had been instrumental in, in, in the war efforts way back, but my granddad never really wanted to talk about it. And now, when you're younger, you don't really understand the impact of that and the significance. But mm. when you watch some of these things, the older you get, the more mature you get. Um, and you watch some of these things, you realize the harrowing shit that they genuinely had to go through. Yeah. They didn't necessarily want to kill people. That wasn't yeah. necessarily what they wanted to do. But they were put in a situation where they had no choice. Um, yeah. And I know my granddad lost many of his friends, you know, fighting side by side for them. And he genuinely didn't want to talk about it. And I understand now back then i couldn't but now i understand the the experiences that they went through were beyond anything that we could think of today uh you know modern warfare today is not the way as it was back then um you know and i think what makes it even more poignant is uh, i i try and I try not to jump too far ahead in, in the terms of the series but one of the characters that i really love in this um who, who kind of goes under the radar again we, we haven't necessarily talked about too many characters we're talking about the plot one of the characters is Shifty. I don't know if you remember Shifty. He's yeah, kind of their, the their resident sniper uh, yeah. who saves so many fucking people's yeah, lives yeah. throughout this entire thing. They're just like, Shifty? Uh, if, they see a sh if they see a shot or a sniper and they're like, okay, I'm not sure whether we can get that shot or, okay, we need somebody to go in and scope it out. It's like Shifty. And it's great because he's, he's a fantastic character and he really does. He's, he's clearly like a southern guy who was a good hunter way back when. And I'm trying not to jump too far ahead to the end of the series, but he does say a line that's absolutely stuck with me um, since I've watched this show. And he's talking... Um, sorry? Don't say it. Don't say it. Because that's what? cool. Don't say whatever the line is. Yeah, Leave I'm not going to say end. it. He's talking, he's talking to, um, to, to Damien Lewis's character about the war and about the impact of it. And it's just that, 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 that quote, which I will get to when we get to it, um is very poignant and it, it it basically speaks volumes i think to every single person who's ever fought in a war um we'll get there but yeah it, this this was one of those ones where he didn't rise uh you know he didn't raise the elevation of that story this was the story told from everybody else's perspective and probably downplayed and it's like guys you don't realize he literally ran out into a field with hundreds of germans and uh and yeah he could have been killed but wasn't how the fuck did that not happen? Because if he'd died, the impact of Easy Company as a whole, who's to say? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, was James Marden, Marsden in this episode? Looking James 12 years Marsden. old? I thought there was a guy who looked like James Marsden, and I'll be totally honest, I'd forgotten I'd made this note, and I haven't looked up whether he was even in it on IMDb. But I think I saw James Marsden looking about 12 years old. Uh, this is the one where Jimmy Fallon turns up, which is, you know, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, um, no, Jimmy Fallon's the next one. Is it? 
Yeah. Oh, I've written Jimmy Fallon question mark. Oh, fair enough. Uh, no, I'm pretty Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon turns up at uh, at the bit before Bastone uh, because yeah, well Bastone they... is the next episode. Yeah, so the the next one is is kind of where he uh, he, he crops up to kind of help give them some ammo and stuff. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, th th this episode was my favourite so far because it properly focused on one character, got me to know them really, you know, even better than I did already and helped to orient me to everyone else. So this, yeah, by the finish of this one, I was like, damn, this is awesome. Uh, and this is th that that one's my favourite episode so far. Mm -hmm. But we're only up to episode five. We are only up to episode five. So, as we're only up to episode five, ladies and gentlemen, and we are currently ticking towards an hour and a half of this podcast, I think we shall call it at that one. Make sure. this one another lovely two-parter for you. And uh, then it'll give we'll you, come back it'll give for you, an episode two. It'll give you the opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been enjoying this podcast, to uh, perhaps watch episodes one to five, or maybe watch the whole of Band of Brothers, so that when we come back for part two, you'll be part of the whole conversation. Exactly. And you'll know what's going on. So, uh, on that note, oh, I didn't do the admin at the top of the show today. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to get involved with us, you can go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the screenmasters. A few weeks ago now, I posted a little film quiz up there based on movie titles with numbers in. Uh, shoot over to the Facebook page if you want to have a look at that and have a go. I shall be posting, I probably posted the answers by the time this goes to air. Um, and yes, at the top of that page, there is a uh, pinned post with all the links to all the different places you can see us. Uh, at the minute, while we're doing back to the audio-only versions, we're not uploading them onto YouTube, but obviously all the previous content is available on YouTube, should you be interested. Uh, please feel free to go and check that out at bit.ly forward slash bitebackyt. Uh, you can also email us directly at screenmasters at bitebackmedia.co.uk. And in all cases, the bite is like a computer bite, not a food bite. Anything else to add, my good friend? No, um, just, you know, hope everybody's keeping safe and, uh, and well during these, uh, during these difficult times. And uh, please do share uh, your thoughts and feelings about what you've been enjoying on the downtime uh view wise if there's any pods uh that you're thinking about after having watched anything uh unless it's tiger king in which case you can go fuck yourselves um <laughs> <laughs> sorry to put it bluntly but um but yeah please you, do leave you have comment. during this episode made yourself open to watching all of the uh starship troopers films so yeah that i can deal with that that i could deal with um, Really? do you know how many there are three <laughs> Do you know how much the quality is on? Yeah, there are three, I think. Or oh, there might be four. I can't remember. Three. I know that uh, the, the main boy from the first one comes back for one of the later yeah, ones. Casper Van Dien. Casper Van Dien. Yeah, that was it. And, and, uh, and the Denise, writer. Denise Richards back when she actually looked hot. Um, yeah, yeah. Like Wild Things, Denise Richards. Yeah, Wild Things. That's Denise when she was hot. Starship Troopers, Wild Things. Yeah. And then, and then I don't she, really know what happened. She, after she was that. like a Bond. Oh Person yeah! Christmas oh no, she was Jones no, no, it? she was Christmas Jones, Fluffy. She was Christmas fucking Jones. Why did they call her Christmas Jones? Everyone asks. That is so that you can make the joke at the end where he says, "Huh, I thought Christmas only came once a year." Yeah. Fuck off! God damn you! God damn you! World is not enough. God damn you! God damn. Perhaps, perhaps that may come up. 
in, foreshadowing in the potentially for November, everyone. In the year. Maybe she'll top, not, uh, top, top the Bond girls list. Who's to say? Who's I'm to not say? sure I'll have gotten over this by the time we get to November. <laughs> I'm really not, everyone. So brace yourself. Uh, brace yourself. Uh, yeah, so so that's that. So yeah, like I say, keep, <laughs> keep, safe, uh, keep safe, keep healthy, everyone. Let us know your comments, etc. Uh, on the Facebook page, uh, you know, facebook.com forward slash the Screen Masters. Indeed. Uh, so yes, everyone, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we shall see you next time. For now, I have been Bav. And I've been Fluff. And this has been Screen Masters. <laughs>